On Monday evening, we learned that San Diego County had its first case of novel coronavirus. However, the infected patient was discharged from UC San Diego Health on Sunday, only to be hastily returned on Monday. A mislabeled blood draw was the source of the confusion, as the CDC incorrectly said the patient in question did not have a positive result. The exact timing and occurrences at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar, how long the infected evacuee was present, and everything the person did while there, has not yet been made public. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Paul Sisson, you're the health reporter for the Union Tribune. And we got the news yesterday that San Diego County has its first case of coronavirus. Although how we got that information was sort of confusing. Let's step back a little bit and explain what's going on right now with the quarantine in Miramar. Oh, yeah, we were uh, we were at the uh, Paragraph Factory pretty late last night uh, figuring this one out. Um, what we know at the moment, uh, the CDC has said that there was a labeling mix-up that led to the CDC lab in Atlanta delivering the wrong test results for three patients who were under isolation at a UCSD hospital in San Diego. Uh, You know, they had shown last week, they had shown some symptoms that indicated they might be infected with coronavirus. And so, uh, so they were there just kind of holding tight until the CDC uh, tested their samples and returned the results. So the mistake was made at the hospital, right? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's a whole chain of interesting misses that uh, turn out to be revealed here when you look at this thing closely. Um, What the CDC says was that uh, when the blood samples were taken at the hospital in San Diego, uh, that they were mislabeled, and uh, yet the CDC still sent those mislabeled samples to Atlanta to their lab for testing. Uh, and the CDC tells us that uh, when those samples arrived uh, that were mislabeled, they were just set aside and not tested. Uh, and so fast forward a few days, uh, you have the CDC personnel in San Diego calling their uh, brethren back in uh, in Atlanta and asking for the results, and then the uh, the folks in Atlanta giving them the wrong results. Uh, and so it was those wrong results, which were all negative, that led to uh, the patients being returned from the hospital to quarantine. Uh, and then somebody in Atlanta discovered, oh, gosh, we've got these other results that, uh, that now we have tested. And, and, and look, one of them is actually positive. Okay, you guys need to find that, uh, that individual and take him back to the hospital in San Diego. Yeah, and that raises several questions about any chances of transmission. So how much do we know about where the patient was in the hospital and back at quarantine? Yeah, so uh, the UCSD folks said, well, uh, when we discharged those patients, they were all wearing masks and they were accompanied by a U.S. Marshal who took them back to, uh, to base at Miramar uh, to the quarantine location. Uh, and then the CDC said today that those patients were actually asked to uh, self-isolate in their rooms on base mm-hmm. and uh, continue wearing masks while the, these, uh, these uh, new test results were being um, performed. Uh, back in Atlanta. So the CDC seems to be suggesting that these folks really didn't have um, much going on uh, inside the quarantine when they got back from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw just uh, just before I uh, got on the the call with you that uh, there seems to be some indication that the CDC knew 
that it had a mix-up on its hands uh, on Sunday when these patients came back from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds like within the quarantine, they're doing everything they can to make sure that it doesn't spread within that group, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do when you're talking about people who aren't uh, sick, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, public health law doesn't allow you to just go in and, and take anybody who you suspect might be uh, possibly carrying something and lock them up like they're in jail. Uh, so they, they have kind of a fine line to tread, the, the CDC and public health uh, authorities do, in terms of how far they can go. Uh, so they, you know, inside the quarantine, uh, the people are allowed to decide whether they want to stay in their rooms or go out and mingle, whether they want to go out and exercise on the grounds or, or stay, you know, very close to home. Uh, they're, they're allowed to decide how close they want to get to other people inside quarantine, and they're allowed to decide for themselves whether they think they need to wear a protective mask. So, uh, so I think it's probably fair to say that the CDC might try to be a little more prescriptive with it and tell people, you know, you need to stay in your room and wear a mask at all times, but it doesn't seem like they've done that so far. Mm -hmm. And I believe last time we spoke, you said the quarantine was supposed to last for two weeks. Given that this increases the chance for a new case to appear, and we don't know exactly how long the incubation period is, could this extend the quarantine further? It certainly could for anybody who is shown to have been what they call a close contact of this individual who tested positive. Uh, and that's what the CDC says they're doing right now, is interviewing everybody who, uh, who may have come into contact with that person and determining if they were within six feet of them for a long enough period of time that there's a likelihood they might have been infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, the CDC hasn't really said uh, that they found anybody like that. It sounds like uh, they, they, uh, they told these folks to go straight to their rooms when they got back to base, so it may be that... Uh, that there aren't really anybody uh, in, in that chain uh, that needs to be to have their quarantine extended. It's a, it's a little hard to tell at this moment. And what do we expect to hear from the CDC about, I know you described what they're going to do, but in the coming days, will we hear if there are new cases? Is this 14-day period just going to run out? What's the forecast here? It's a little unclear at the moment. I, uh, I spoke with their representative uh, this morning and asked if they're going to resume their normal 4 o'clock uh, public update on the conditions inside quarantine, how many new cases have popped up that have been transferred to hospitals, how many uh, test results have come back for people who have already been hospitalized. Uh, and they were, were kind of unclear on, on what their plan is. It's not clear whether or not they're going to resume that normal uh, 4 p.m. update that they were giving us. Uh, yesterday was the first weekday where they didn't. Uh, but then again, uh, right around uh, 4 or 5 o'clock is when it, some of this information on, on this mix-up started to surface. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to the public that may not be reading all the stories you've been writing about coronavirus because it can become easy to become, you know, very scared when you hear about a new disease. What's the kind of, you know, extremely rational recommendation that you have for people to know when it comes to this new disease? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I, I think that people should realize that this virus can be fought off the same way that we can fight off the flu in terms of covering your cough, 
and uh, you know not sneezing on people or, or being in situations where you're being, you know you're you're in that uh, kind of cough and cold situation, um, you know, and, and just hand washing and things like that really do go a long ways toward preventing viral infections like this. Uh, not only that, but this really is still linked directly to people who have recently been in China. Mm-hmm. So if you know anybody who's recently uh, been in China, and especially in uh, Wuhan City or uh, the surrounding province, then that's really when you need to be careful. But, but there's really no indication that this is going beyond uh, anybody who was in China. And, and look, I mean, uh, everybody who's coming back from China is, is ending up in these quarantine situations. And so uh, there, there's really no indication that anybody's gotten out of quarantine and started wandering around. So, so compared to living in China right now, uh, living here is infinitely safer, just mathematically speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like international governments are doing all that they can to kind of prevent the spread of this virus. In a sense, it just has to run its natural course. Yeah, I mean, you know, when this first started, there were a certain number of flights coming back from China before the quarantine started. So, so there, I think it's safe to say that there are people in the U.S. who who were in China, but I think the um, the two week uh, incubation period has pretty much run out for those folks. So uh, I think that if we're going to see new cases, it's probably going to be among those who are currently in quarantine, uh, not among people who are just wandering around. Mm-hmm. And I guess when speaking to members of the, you know, the CDC, the health community, do you notice any differences in tone or demeanor when they're talking about like the coronavirus versus the flu? Because this is kind of the first time in a while we've had a new disease that's really kind of dominated the news for so long. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, it, I think there is a difference in tone. I think they know that they're dealing with something that's novel. And as we discussed before, uh, you know, our immune systems don't have an inbuilt defense against this particular strain of coronavirus. So that, I think, gives everybody um, a feeling that this is serious and it needs to be taken seriously and that uh, we should pretty much uh, pull out all the stops and trying to stop the spread of this virus uh, because nobody really has a great defense against it. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, – they don't seem to be panicking to me. They, they seem mm-hmm. to feel like uh, – They've got it um, relatively in front of them. They don't feel like uh, it's it's somehow like overwhelming their ability to respond. This virus is certainly deadly, but not to the point of shutting down absolutely everything. It seems like the measures that they have in place kind of match the degree of threat of this new disease. Right. And, you know, I mean, in China, the, the problem is that the hospitals and other healthcare resources are just overwhelmed by the number of patients who are coming in. Uh, we don't have that situation here in the U.S. We have plenty of hospital beds for people who do become infected. And, you know, if you if your infection is detected early enough, then the hospital can keep a good eye on you and get you uh, what you need to prevent the, the progression of the illness to the point where you get something like pneumonia. Uh, so you're just in a lot better situation if the hospital that you're going to isn't inundated with other patients. Now, of course, our hospitals are very busy right now uh, in San Diego and everywhere else, uh, that's mostly due to the flu, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are a lot of flu patients in hospital beds right now. So when looking back at other new viruses that have appeared in the past, do you have a sense of how long these kind of outbreaks tend to last? Um, you know, some of these uh, coronavirus-driven uh, uh, outbreaks like SARS and MERS, 
uh, can last for quite a while, but I, you know, from from what we saw in those other outbreaks, they they tend to rage the worst where they start, uh, and and you know, generally speaking, the rest of the public health community gets wind of what's going on a continent away and starts putting in uh, travel restrictions and other uh, you know monitoring uh, methods to contain uh, whatever's going on to the place roughly where it started. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, even though it might take a year to burn its way out in other communities, uh, I don't know that we always see uh, super broad spread like we, like we might have. I think the last time that we really saw a pandemic uh, of, of, this, uh, of really large proportions was the uh, 2009 uh, novel flu virus that, uh, you know, just ripped across the world. Mm-hmm. And, the uh, swine flu, right. Know, a lot of deaths associated with it. There was, you know, it wasn't in that year's vaccine, and so uh, nobody had any immunity to it. And, you know, I remember uh, vividly covering that whole situation. And we had, you know, a lot of emergency tents set up in emergency room parking lots. Uh, you know, there was a mad scramble to come up with the vaccine. And, I, geez, I remember that, uh, you know, that they, they had to inoculate people uh, so broadly that they people were just uh, pulling up to uh, inoculation station at uh, Qualcomm uh, uh, stadium parking lot and rolling up their sleeves, sticking their arm out the window and getting the vaccine. So I don't think we're anywhere near that yet with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's worth noting that compared to a strain of the flu, we don't have the resources to create a vaccine that fast. So that kind of scenario couldn't play out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're similar in terms of the kind of illness that they cause, but I guess they're different enough, uh, that, um, vaccination strategies are, are a little different. I think. I think probably the reason why why we have more flu vaccines is just that the flu is so much more prevalent that it just gets a lot more uh, research attention. Mm-hmm. All right, Paul Sisson. Thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, a new San Diego Union Tribune Ten News poll on the mayor's race shows Assemblyman Todd Gloria leading. However, nearly one third of voters remain undecided. In second place is San Diego Councilman Scott Sherman, and the polling suggests that Barbara Bree is unlikely to advance to the November general election. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Check out the newest podcast from the UT Sports Department, Aztecs Hoopla. Sports editor Jay Posner and Aztecs beat writer Mark Ziegler discuss Aztecs basketball. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.